Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Transform Yourself, the podcast that's all about empowering you to shed those stubborn pounds and embrace your best selves. We are your hosts, Casey and Tyler, and we use the four M's of fitness, mind shift, meal shift, micro habits, and muscle building to create attainable and sustainable approach to weight loss. We've lost a collective 130 pounds. We've kept it off for two years. So whether you're a fitness enthusiast, a beginner, maybe you're just curious about making positive changes, Transform Yourself is a go-to source for inspiration, information, and a good dose of motivation. And today's episode going to be a little bit different than our typical episode. Because it's February, we're going to dedicate this episode to heart health. February is heart health month, and our family is very familiar with heart-related issues. Unfortunately, that is the case. This episode should be releasing about a year after Ty had a cardiac arrest, which happened February 5th, 2023. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to tell the very scary story. We're going to then talk about the outcome and what's changed since then. And finally, we're going to talk about why heart health is important. So let me preface the scary story of your cardiac arrest by saying that This was post-weight loss for both of us. This was probably what I'd like to think of as the height of your... This was post-70-pound weight loss, a year post-running a marathon. So all the boxes were checked. You were very healthy at this time. You were didn't Hadn't drank for several years (laughs) at that point. Yeah, you had quit drinking, you had lost 70 pounds, you had run a marathon, you were consistently still running at this point, you were eating very healthy, you were lifting weights, you were doing all of the, there's no smoking, none of that in our household. So no markers of any kind of ill health, really. And so that I kind of feel like I need to preface with that. So let's back up all the way to February 5th. And I like to refer to it as the day that I will never forget and the day that Tyler will never remember. Um, We were putting our girls to bed. And it was about eight o'clock because we <laughs> about right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about <laughs> yeah. And we were putting our girls to bed. We just kind of have our little routine. I was in the bathroom with the girls. Their bedrooms are upstairs in our two story house. We were watching I was watching them brush their teeth in the bathroom. Ty, where were you? You were I was in Aubrey's bedroom. Yeah. I don't remember what I was doing. Um, I imagined he was just trying to find like the nighttime story. Probably because typical just the everyday normal He's a stuff. great dad and he always reads their nighttime story to them every night and I love it. While I was in the bathroom with the girls, I heard this weird sound coming from Aubrey's bedroom. It was kind of an oof sound. I remember thinking, oh, he probably stubbed his toe on that corner of the bed that I always hit my shin on. That was it. I didn't think anything else of it, of the sound. And I kind of just sat down. It was the end of a long day. I sat down on the edge of the toilet kind of as I watched the girls finish brushing their teeth. And it'd probably been another minute and I decided I should probably get up and go check and see what happened. And that is when I saw you face down on the floor. You were kind of face down, kind of on your side. It was really weird looking. And at first glance, to be honest, I thought maybe, maybe he hurt his man part somehow. (laughs) And and I don't know what that's like. So maybe he just kind of went down because he... It's similar to having a cardiac arrest, I'll tell you. (laughs) 
And and so I kind of gave you a playful shove and I said your name. And then I kind of just gave a good glance at your face. And I was like, Oh, good Lord, he is not that's weird. He's red. He's really red in color. And that's when I realized it was going to be way worse than what I had thought. It looked like you weren't breathing. I wasn't quite sure but I put my face really close to your face. And I'm pretty certain I could tell that you weren't breathing. That's when my brain did two different things. It panicked, but it also went into what I call go mode. My go mode side of my brain knew that I had a job to do. My panic side of my brain, all it could do was yell out curse words. And I kind of did both simultaneously. At that time, the girls had run into the bedroom because I was panicking. I asked June, our seven-year-old, please go downstairs as quickly as possible, get my phone off the kitchen counter. She did. I remember I dialed 911. I also remember I put the phone on speaker before they even answered. At that point, it'd probably been another 90 seconds and your color had turned from red to purple. Your eyes were open, but nobody was behind those eyes. It's a super scary thing to see. It's, It's a vision I don't really like to think about. You started making these weird sounds that were coming from your mouth. The 911 operator, her name was Cheyenne, by the way. I found that out later. It's something I'll never forget. Her na- I'll never forget her name. She helped me save you. She was trying to get me to start CPR on you immediately. I wasn't sure I should start CPR on you. I actually argued with Cheyenne for probably a good 45 seconds to a minute about not starting CPR because I was afraid you were going to, she told me to put you on your back. I I said to her, no, what if he pukes? I should put him on his side. I'd always heard, lay them on their side in case they puke so they don't choke. (laughs) I was already not breathing, so. (laughs) Yes, correct. But I was, you know, going through all the things in my brain that I had heard before. And meanwhile, Cheyenne's like, no, put him on his back. Is he breathing? And I couldn't tell if you were breathing because you were making these really strange sounds that were coming from your mouth. Now I know what it's called. It's called agonal breathing. And people who are in cardiac arrest, whose heart stops, they are no longer breathing. It is the body's mechanism trying its best to not die, basically. She convinced me that and the fact that you turned from red to purple convinced me that yes, I should roll you to your back and start chest compressions. Now, let me say that I'm not an expert in CPR. And let me also say that no one has to be an expert in CPR to administer CPR. Everybody has seen it on TV. We've seen it in movies. You don't even have to have taken a class. You literally, if you have two hands, you put it between their nipples on their chest and you just start pressing. It's not rocket science. It was my go mode brain that was doing all of the work. But it was my panic brain that couldn't really count or have a rhythm very well. (laughs) I didn't have a great rhythm. I couldn't count. I remember Cheyenne saying, it's okay, we can just count to four. And my panic brain, that's all I could do is count to four. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, F-bomb came out of my mouth. And she counted with me. I just kept yelling, you know, where are the medics? Where are the medics? I need the medics here now. Time could not have moved slower for me. I watched you turn from purple to blue. I watched your face start to bloat. I realized, good God, I'm losing my husband underneath my own hands. Cheyenne did ask me, she said, is your front door unlocked? And I thought, oh God, it's it's not. In fact, it's it is bedtime. Locked. It's bedtime. And it's, it's locked at bedtime. It is always locked at bedtime. And not only that, but we placed a special lock at the top of our door out of our kids reach because we have a special needs kid. We 
didn't want her ever escaping the house. So we put a lock higher than they could possibly reach. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that's locked. I had to leave your side, stop CPR, run downstairs, unlock the door and run back upstairs. And I tell people this all the time and I don't remember traveling downstairs. I don't remember traveling upstairs. I do remember standing in front of the door and unlocking it. It's almost like I transcended time. I don't know how it happened that fast, but it did. I was back upstairs doing CPR again on you. I looked over. I realized that our girls were sitting on the floor next to me watching the whole thing. That's when my go mode brain took over. I asked June to take her sister downstairs to what we call the movie room. The last few minutes of CPR with you alone in that bedroom was awful. I was crying out for help, crying out to Cheyenne, crying out to the Lord, crying out to I don't know who. The first person arrived to our house, it was a deputy. I remember being mad. I was super mad that it was a deputy. I thought, why is there a deputy? Why did a cop show up first? Paramedics is what I need. I don't need a deputy. I need paramedics. And I remember yelling at him. He immediately took over chest compressions. And when he did, oh man, he he did chest compressions way harder than I well, was doing. So fun fact, I've met this cop. You did. I mean, he's in pretty good shape. He is in good <laughs> shape. In I'm good glad. Shape. I'm glad to. I, I I'm apologize glad I get... to him also for being so mad and yelling at him. Well, I'm sure that it's understandable <laughs> and it's probably not the first time that's happened, but I am glad that a fit young cop showed up and not Officer McGrady spinning his baton, like, doo, 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 you know, like that guy. Right. Um, it, he was a very fit guy. Yes. That he is was, true. Yeah, he was, he was in good shape. Watching him do chest compressions on you made me feel like what I did was nothing compared to what he was doing. Clearly what I did worked. Here you are. You're yeah. still with us. You had about 10 minutes total of chest compressions before the paramedics arrived, Um at that point, they asked me to go downstairs. It was obvious to me they didn't want me to watch the whole thing go down. They did have to shock you with an AED twice. They had to give you a shot of epinephrine right into your heart. And that's what got the heartbeat. I remember before or during all of this, I was sitting on this hallway bench downstairs by our front door. There were swarms of officers asking me really stupid but necessary questions that I did not want to answer. I didn't care to tell them what's your, you know, what's your husband's name? What's his age? I didn't want to recall all of that. I just wanted, all I wanted to know is, did you get a heartbeat? And I remember them asking me questions like what your age was. And I said, did you get a heartbeat? And then they would ask me the question again, what is his age? And I'm like, that's no, 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 no. Let me run the show here. Did you get a heartbeat? Somebody, you know, I would beg them, please tell me you got a heartbeat. Is he breathing? Somebody tell me, is he breathing? And I remember somebody telling me, a cop looking at me and saying, they're doing everything they can. They told me that answer more than once. And I thought to myself, that's what they tell the, the wife when the husband's upstairs dead. Because they couldn't give me the answer. They couldn't tell me, yes, they got a heartbeat at that time. Well, he probably didn't know either. So. Uh, he probably didn't. But I'll tell you, it's not the answer you want to hear. <laughs> and, and they weren't going to let me upstairs. I remember feeling very nauseated at one point. I ran outside to the front porch. I thought I was going to puke. When I stood on my front porch for about five seconds, I realized every single neighbor in like a half mile to one mile radius was outside. It was Just, a circus. It was a circus. Staring at our house. I crumbled to the ground and I took a squat behind our rocking chair to hide. 
at that point, I was begging the Lord to save you. And about a minute later, that's when the deputy came outside. He knelt by me and he said that they found a heartbeat. We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. And it's so hard to, that was probably the best words I've ever heard. Sorry. It's overwhelming. It was overwhelming then. It's overwhelming now. I walked back inside and by that time, our kind, kind, sweet neighbor, Dina, She had taken the girls to her house. The officers told me that I needed to get a vehicle and head to the hospital. But here's the thing. You were still upstairs. And I knew you were still upstairs. And I thought, I don't want to leave this house. My husband's in this house. They just got his heart. Like, I don't even know if he's breathing yet. The officers just kept shoving me outside and saying, get her in a car, get her in a car and get her to the hospital. So my sweet neighbor, Dina, she got me into her car. Her husband and her children were watching our children. You weren't even in the ambulance yet. All I could think of the whole way to the hospital was that I was going to arrive and somebody was going to have to come tell me that you were pronounced dead upon arrival. And and I knew they had gotten a heartbeat. I didn't know if you were still going to survive, though. I had no idea what any of it was. I didn't even at that point really know it was cardiac arrest. I had no idea. No clue. Because why would I think that you would have cardiac arrest? I mean, you were in your prime health. I remember... At the hospital, I was such a mess that they didn't even they didn't even keep me in the general waiting room. They put me in what looked like a closet with a few chairs shoved in it. But I will say that a very, very sweet nurse, and I wish I remembered her name. Thank you, by the way, if you're a nurse. All of you are godsends and amazing. She would come up to me every few minutes just to update me. It was probably about a half hour of being at the hospital before somebody had even told me you had arrived, you had been intubated. You had oxygen and your heart was doing, oh, your heart was doing fine. Um, or your heart was beating. It was then that I just kind of, my brain just decided that's it. I know he's going to survive this. I had that thought because I knew that that was the only option that I could have. It was the only option I would allow myself to think. It was the only outcome that I would believe because I knew that I had to believe in that outcome for that outcome to be, to be true. I only had that thought from that moment on. He is going to survive and we are going to be able to tell this story. And here we are telling this story. So the outcome, what's changed since then? You take it from here, Ty. (laughs) So one thing I think is important before I even get going to say is listening to that story from you is the same as anyone listening to this podcast. I don't know that story firsthand because I was on a different planet the entire time. Right. I don't have the emotional trauma that you have from it. I have my own traumas, I have my own issues from it, but not, not to the extent that you do, which is the weird thing about this whole story. You probably carry more burden than I do with it. 
which is which is strange because I'm the one that almost died. <laughs> I appreciate. It, I appreciate the. It, it's but it's true. The love you have for because me. like I don't I don't cry about it anymore. Of course, I'm also in therapy, <laughs> <laughs> and I probably cry about it a couple times a month for over. Well, a any year. probably anytime you. Like you sit down and think about yeah. it. Yeah. Anytime I think, if I think too much about it, or yeah. if I see something on TV. Something with, that would trigger. That would trigger the yeah. thought. Yes, correct. So today, the outcome, I woke up in the hospital five days later. Yeah, I think it was. Not knowing like what the hell happened. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, and it's it's very, very spotty. Kind of like being blackout drunk where like you, you can like remember bits and pieces of things. Yeah. It's kind of like that coming out of, because they put me on fentanyl and God knows what else they put me on when I was in the hospital. And I know it's the doctor's job to always be super honest with the family and the wife and the, whoever is in the room, you know, the caretaker or the person. I will tell you that those first probably 48 hours, maybe 72 hours after the event, it was the doctors, it was kind of a little doom and gloom. They, you know, it was at first it was, we don't know if he's going to be brain dead. He might, we're going to have to cool his body to allow. Well, they did. They iced me down. They They iced me down like Encino Man. (laughs) And the next thing they said is, you know, they were halfway through cooling you down. And then they said, "Uh uh-oh, his triponin levels are too high. We have to rush him to the cath lab. He's about to have another cardiac event. You know, his heart might give out. Because they have have no clue. They have have no clue. They have no clue. I will tell you what, though. (laughs) The nurses, they were the ones who were, this is is normal. This is what, this is typical. I'm noticing signs. I get that it's the doctor's job to do that. But I will tell you what, thank God for the nurses because it is the nurses, the nurses, nurses were the ones they bring reality they do and not only that but they bring sunshine they brought sunshine through all the clouds every day they brought sunshine to me so thank you danielle she was one of my nurses (laughs) and i don't i don't remember i remember a couple of because i had a couple guy nurses because i was in there i was in there for 11 days i had a bunch of different doctors a bunch of different nurses so i don't even i don't recall most of them let's go back heart cat cat came back and they're like his heart looks great Right. It's like there's like no blockages. There's nothing structurally wrong because they're they're going in. They're going in thinking that they were going to have to put a stent or do something. Yeah. No, there was nothing there's wrong nothing with your wrong. heart. There like, were I no have... blockages in your heart. Here's the weird thing. I knew that that was going to be the outcome. It's I it's knew crazy. how he- I know how healthy you are, and I and you, know, I you didn't... don't with cholesterol with all of that. You don't. You're it right. can be bad, and you don't really know. But then you go into this thing, and you're thinking the worst, and then they come out, and they're like, "Well, well whoops, a dude." Um, <laughs> Whoops. It actually looks pretty good. <laughs> I actually, I really like that because now today that gives me a lot of peace knowing that I've had a full overhaul and they've looked under the hood and we know, we know it's fine. Yeah, that's true. So that's a good point. I love that. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Okay. But for my long-term, <laughs> my long-term peace of mind, which I think is ultimately our families, that we know it's in good shape. So then the question is like, what the hell happened? They really don't know. They, the doctors, they run all the tests, but then, MRI. well, they don't run an MRI because okay. the MRI machine is broken. That's true. And I don't know why they don't send me to go get a cardiac MRI somewhere else. So I wake up five days later and then pretty much immediately they're saying, we are going to put an ICD in, which an ICD is a defibrillator that sits inside my chest and just kind of hangs out. 
they basically just open you up, create a little pocket, and they stick it in the pocket, and then they wire you up. That's it. They discharge me the next day. We got discharged on February 14th yep. on Valentine's Day. Yep. It was a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's. My favorite. What's crazy about when when I had the, the device put in is that was the first surgery I've ever had. It is such a surreal experience getting wheeled. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who've been through this. Just for me, it was wild because this is this is a big one. And you're like looking at all of this equipment, these giant LCD TVs, <laughs> looking at the dot going, like, when are you putting me under? And he's like, oh, you're you're not you're going to be awake for this. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm I'm really glad you guys told me that beforehand. So they did the really nice thing and they just covered my face with a sheet. So nice of them. <laughs> so kind. I didn't feel anything. I remember being wheeled out. That was kind kind of it. I was up walking that day. Yeah. Um, I was walking around the floor of, of the ICU. All of the nurses looked at me like I was crazy. I didn't get it. But then someone pointed out, and may, maybe it was you, I, I don't recall, that everyone thought I was dead. They thought I might have been brain dead. They thought I was screwed. Here's this guy walking around on the floor and he's got his running shoes on, acting like whatever he just went through just didn't happen. That was a very surreal experience too. But anyway, got discharged on the 14th. After that, I had no strength. I had no stamina, just super tired. I mean, I just went through hell. Right. You started to walk again though. Being a runner and being kind of a nerd, I've got a Garmin. Anytime I go on a run, I, I keep track of the mileage and I keep track of all of that stuff. So the other day when we're getting ready for this podcast, I went back and I'm like, I wonder if I recorded that. And I did. 10 days after I got home from the hospital, I went on my first walk, which I think I went two miles. It absolutely wrecked me. But I also knew that coming up was a Disney trip in April, two months away. I was not going to let <laughs> let a little thing like a cardiac arrest <laughs> Keep me from going to Disney. (laughs) So nobody's keeping me from Mickey Mouse and Goofy. I personally do not care about Disney, but my (laughs) kids really care. And you really cared about Disney. I do. I liked it. So that was my carrot. That was my goal. So I was like, all right, every day I'm going for a walk and we're not going to go crazy. We're just trying to build a base. We're trying to just get movement in. You You know, after like a month, I was walking five miles a day. I think that really, really helped kind of progress my recovery along. Flash forward to today, everything's kind of back to normal. I finally got that cardiac MRI done. Turns out I had uh, myocarditis in my left ventricle. Very matter-of-factly, my cardiologist told me this is a result of COVID or from you having the vaccine. Yeah. That was it. Of which I never would have believed before. Which is- The MRI and the myocarditis and the doctor actually saying that. Saying it- And we are not trying to push any agenda on anyone- is just a matter-of-fact statement that came from the doctor's mouth. To me, it's kind of irrelevant. I can't go back and change now. Right. It is what it is. Yeah, but it did happen. But for me, knowing the cause really helps me have closure and know that, okay, that was it. Well, also know one, that it wasn't one, it wasn't your fault kind of thing. It wasn't, it's not my fault. It's not something I did. And the other part that's really nice is the doctor said that this is more than likely a one and done scenario. I fully believe that. Don't have to worry about it anymore other than I have a medicine regimen the rest of my life, which we've begun to tailor that back and actually have a doctor appointment and hopefully talk about that some more. and Taper you off of the medication. I would like to see that, but we but, also want to follow doctor's orders. Yeah, and I, I want to do know. what makes sense, but if I had to live with what I'm on today, I would be okay. 
the side effects are pretty minimal. The the major ones that I was dealing with, we've been able to mitigate. Such and as? I'm on a baby aspirin, a statin, beta blocker, and blood pressure medication. Really the only difference now in my life, on medication, and I have to be very aware of electrical devices or magnets around the device, but six inches is more or less the window where things have to stay outside of that. Other than that, I don't even really notice it anymore. So in a weird way, it's kind of almost like it never happened, which is a very strange thing to go through all of this and to not feel and to not feel like it's really made that big of an impact physically. Here's the yes, physically, it did not make an impact. I will say it's completely made an impact on how you live your life. It's completely made an impact on who you are as a person. It's completely made an impact on you finding what is important and knowing what is important in life, meaning your family, your kids and me being important to you over materialistic things. I think near-death experience is what made that difference. So yeah, physically, no impact, but emotionally, emotionally it's, it's, cha- it's, it's, it's changed, changed you. It's changed But it's changed you for the better. I don't have (laughs) as much patience for stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. So let's go on to why heart health is important. Do you want to talk about this? It's pretty obvious. You know, I mean, it really you know, is. like it is. You want your organs to work well. You want your heart to be strong. You want it functioning as close to perfectly as possible. I am a 100% firm believer. No one could ever convince me otherwise that if I was not in good cardiovascular shape and had lost all that weight when this happened, I would have died. I don't think I would have made it to the hospital. I think the fact that I had, you know, lost whatever, 70 pounds. Yeah. And whatever my VO2 max and all that, blah, 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 blah. I think if I had not done all that, obviously not intending for this to happen, that I don't think I would have made it. I think that is, it's an unintended good consequence, I guess you could say. (laughs) Right. So thank God we lost weight, got in shape. Thank God you were a runner. Thank God all of those things I don't have any brain damage. You don't. I don't have much brain damage. (laughs) There's a little bit. (laughs) Just, Just a tiny bit. I have a tiny bit. (laughs) <laughs> but neuro, thank God for neuroplasticity. <laughs> the other thing, it, it's a better quality of life. I can promise you when I was 70 pounds heavier versus today, being able to chase my kids, being able to bend over and tie my shoes without having to come up for air, quality of life stuff. It's hard to put a value on it. Even as you lose the weight, you don't even think about it until like one day you're just like, oh, that's that's a lot easier. That's now. a lot better now. You know, the elevator didn't work and I had to take three flights of stairs and I don't think I'm going to die. That's a great thing. You reduce your overall risk of disease uh, to when you have good cardiovascular health. Promise you, you don't want this to happen to you. And I'm very fortunate that some of the cardio I was doing before helped to mitigate other things that could have happened or other diseases that could have maybe complicated this even further. Also, the better health you are cardiovascularly, the less you're going to spend on healthcare as you age. So, and again, you don't have to go out and do wind sprints. You don't have to do something crazy. Go out for a walk. That's true. The, just get your heart rate elevated a Low little bit. Low intensity steady state is so great for you. Although I will say, I tell clients, you know, who are in weight loss, you know, let's focus on muscle building and strength training versus cardio and getting on a treadmill. And, but cardio is great for heart health and cardio is great for mental health. So for both of those reasons, I do input cardio in my own life. And I do it for those reasons, though. I don't do it for weight loss reasons. I do it for the reasons of mental health and cardiovascular health. Yes. I I think there's a misconception that running is great for weight loss. There's just like not that much of a difference between 
running, running versus walking. For, yeah, versus walking. There's really not that big <laughs> right. of a difference. Right. The, so when you weigh the risk versus benefit, yes. it, there's specifically not much and, of a difference. And I like running because I like running. I don't do it for weight loss. And I only like running from things like bumblebees. The only time you're going to see me run. Other than that, not doing it. I do want to say 90% of people who suffer cardiac arrest do not survive. So Tyler is part of this 10% club of people who survive cardiac arrest. And when I think about that, it floors me every time. The reason it is, is because when someone's heart stops, you only have a few minutes to react. I urge every single one of you listening, if all you do is go Google how to do CPR and watch a three minute video on YouTube, do it. Go get a refresher, even if it's just a three minute YouTube video, or maybe you want to do more. Maybe you want to go get CPR certified. You can call your local Red Cross or just get online to your local Red Cross and there's CPR classes available everywhere. I urge everyone to be CPR certified. I was not currently CPR certified when I did CPR on you, but I can tell you that I wasn't. I, had, I wasn't looking had, for a certification at the right, time. Right, you were not. Um, but I can tell you that I had been certified before. I had taken courses before. Having an assemblance of knowledge about CPR is all you need. Don't be afraid to be the person that jumps in to perform CPR when somebody needs it. Don't be afraid you're going to hurt them. You are not going to hurt them. All you're going to do is help them. In closing, I urge everybody to go get CPR certified or get a refresher, whatever that looks like to you. We also, last year, we did a fundraiser for the American Heart Association. I was just amazed at the outpouring of love and support, not just in the messages and the comments and all of that that happened last year. So thank you, because I know those of you who supported then are probably the ones still listening now. We decided that every February we are going to do a fundraiser for the American Heart Association This year, I'm going to make it the same fundraiser. It's going to be Love in a Mug fundraiser. However, I'm making it better. So instead of 10 recipes, it's going to be 14 recipes, mug cake type recipes, either single serve or two servings. I'm selling it for $5 or whatever you would like to donate. So if you want to donate more than $5, you are welcome to. 100% of the profits will go to the American Heart Association. We are not keeping any of the profits from it. So I would love if you would purchase the Love in a Mug for $5 or more. You can find it at thecaloriedeficitqueen.com. 100% of the profits go to the American Heart Association. And it happens to be the 100th anniversary of American Heart Association this year. So thank you for joining us during this episode all about heart health. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share the podcast with your fitness buddies. Until next time, stay healthy, stay happy, and stay heart smart. No, I, no that's good. I like it. I mean, it's, it's a good sign off for this episode. I guess it is. All right. So adios.